I'm like a bird. I burst into flames. I become much stronger (laughs) as I rise from the fire and the phoenix is reborn. I'm like a bird. (laughs) I burst into flames. I become much stronger. What? As I rise from the fire. Yeah. And the phoenix is reborn. Oh my God. Fantastic. That just came to me today. That was just, uh, I didn't even, I have a, a like a word document. It's getting hot in here. Solar flares, burning up, rising heat. And then I don't know where that song came from, but that's what I went with. Was that it, good? It was perfect. Perfect. She says. Perfect. Do you know what it means? It means we're talking about the Phoenix Saga? It does. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And today it seems we are talking about the Phoenix Saga. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We're talking about our good old friend, Jean Grey. What do you know about Jean Grey? Okay. Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Jean Grey. Grey, Jean Grey. Shout out to Michelle Waffle for using that song in her story. And now I'm obsessed. Okay. What do I know? Especially from the early days. Okay. What I, I don't, not much. I know that Jean, she was the professor's first student, but it wasn't really revealed at first that she was the professor's first student. And he like took her from her family because she did something bad to her family because of her powers. Maybe that's just in movies. Yeah, not not really. That that's I think you're pulling from the recent Dark Phoenix. I mean, she did have contact with Xavier earlier on than what was later believed or what we believed in X Men number one. And then I know that. But if you're talking about retcons, I mean, there's a another student that you don't even know about yet. What? <laughs> Good golly. Okay, and then I think that in the early years of her life, Xavier put some kind of like blocks or something. That so that's like, all That's all retcon. That's, you know, that, that's all. Before this and before really the Phoenix and the Dark Phoenix saga, there wasn't really a whole lot to her origin story. So is this a trick question? Like, what do I know about Jean? You don't need to know anything about Jean. She's just Jean. Well, I mean, I meant more of like she was a basic damsel in distress lusted over by guys she was a very one note female character that didn't have a whole lot of depth or power to her name she was marvel girl she was marvel girl it was kind of a standard women in sexist comics fair the the weakest link of the team especially even after her telepathy was quote-unquote unlocked which was later established as to she had had telepathy the entire time the entire time so wait, what was she before? Just telekinetic? Yep. Yeah, she just she could move things with her mind. And that was really it. And books oh. and chairs and people. People sometimes when she grew stronger. Well then. All right, so it, I don't see like a comic out. So we're not reading a story today. We're doing like a We got no comic currently in front of me that I see, but sometimes you kind of hide them, so I don't know. But we do have a monitor out. So I'm feeling a little PowerPointy. She's looking for clues. I'm searching for clues. So we're taking it back to the early days Let's of take Chris it back Claremont. Now, y'all. Now he had pretty much from the beginning set out to beef up her character, make her much stronger than she was previously considered. Excellent. Claremont starts scripting issues with Uncanny X-Men number ninety-four off of a previously developed plot. And had a plot assist in 96, but his first original story was issue 97. 97. Now, when we talk about the Phoenix Saga, that's often referred to as issues 101 to 108. Okay. But we're going to go a little bit further back Mm -hmm. because there's some lead-ins that get us to 101. Okay. Do I need a notebook for this? Or? I don't think so. If you want to, it seems to help you. So if you want to, you can. No, I, I think I'm okay. I think I'll go I'll go it without the notebook. Here we go. We're in the digital zone of a comic, so we have to get a page turn noise. There's a lot of pages we're turning. They're getting very epic, my page turn noises. They are. So on the opening page... Of issue number 97. Oh, man. Storm looks upset. Xavier looks upset. Right off the bat. Banshee looks upset. Claremont is starting to weave in some long game seeds. Oh. 
this nightmare that he's having. Get oh, out of my mind. Bed. He's, he's in bed <sighs> and he's he's experiencing all of these visions. My brother, my enemy. Of a space battle. A space. Wow. Look at that. So this is all happening in his mind. He's overcome with these nightmares, these dreams that are coming to his mind and a person in a spacesuit trying to contact him. Oh, man. Now. But who is it? Do you know who that is next to him? I'm going to guess it's Moira. Lady Moira. It's Lady Moira. And she had previously. What was that accent, Alicia? In 96, I believe, been summoned to come to the Xavier Mansion to be a housekeeper. Oh. Later, it was revealed that she was a geneticist and she had a much more epic background. I mean, even in that issue, she's wielding machine guns to take down a giant monster. So she was a quote-unquote housekeeper. Quote-unquote housekeeper. I mean, she she came essentially to assist Xavier, who was having these nightmares. Okay. But also to... Yes. This... All will show up over the next few issues, but we don't find out what's going on for a while. We just don't know what his nightmares are about. And for your reference, X-Men is bi-monthly at this point. Bi-monthly. So So twice a month. No. Every two months. Every two months. (laughs) That would be bi-weekly. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So every two months. That's a long time. It's a long time. It's a long time, and also, you know, these seeds that we start to see are very sporadically placed throughout the beginning of his run. Mm. So early on, (laughs) he brings in Eric the Red. Eric the Red. Now, there's something that we won't get into right now, but if you'll notice this word bubble from Cyclops, you're Eric the Red, but you can't be Eric the Red. I was Eric the Red. Uh, we're not going to talk about that right now. There was once a persona that Cyclops donned as Eric the Red. What? Again, we're not going to talk about it right now because this is an entirely different person. You know, I just want to let you know that from where I'm sitting, I couldn't read all of that word bubble. I saw your Eric the Red, but I didn't go in depth. And now I'm upset because I wouldn't have questioned when and why Cyclops was Eric the Red. And then I feel as though you intentionally dangled that in front of me. So, well, all right. We're not going to talk about it. But he was or was not Eric the Red. Got it. But this Eric the Red has hypnotized no. Lorna and Alex. No. To be on his side in taking down the X-Men. Oh. His goal is to kill Charles Xavier. Ooh. They escape when the full roster of X-Men show up, but they'll be back, especially Eric the Red. Oh no, they'll be back. Now, from 98 to 100, we have a a Sentinel story. Can I ask you something as just a little sidebar? Sure. Just as like a person who is trying to get to be in the know, in the comic know, is knowing the numbers of the issues something that I really should be paying attention to? No. That's because just more for reference, and then that is also helps me as I'm going through it. Well, you're not the only one who seems to know the issue numbers. Well, also, if you obsessively know, or if you then start to know, like, I know specific numbers, like 141 and 142 being Days of Future Past. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So it, <laughs> it's not important that you know those. I'd say broad strokes, the more important thing is that you know the stories. Yes. And then after you know the stories obsessively well, then you might know the numbers and when they happen. It then starts to help place in a timeline, right? We're talking long before Days of Future Past, which was technically our first Claremont run episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is now much earlier than that. Got it. Okay. Okay. Carry on. Issue 98. Ooh, ooh, Sentinels. The Sentinels are that back. Sentinel has Cyclops. He's going to squish him. He is. Oh no, Colossus, you're falling off a building. Now, two important pieces of this story are mentioned and connect to our recent Hellfire Gala episode. Ooh. Specifically, the classic X-Men backup story from issue seven of that series. Ah, yes, where they were thwarted by a sentinel. Yep, yep. And there's mention of Dr. Stephen Lang in Project Armageddon. Dr. Lang. Isn't he the Ant-Man guy? No, that's Scott Lang. That's Scott Lang. Excuse me, different S. Lang. Now, he 
Stephen Lang wants to capture the X-Men to study them, to find out ways to weaponize their powers. Mm. He took over the Sentinel program after the Trasks died secretly. And what we found in that backup story, he's receiving funding from the Hellfire Club, but he wants to eradicate mutants as a species. He's working for the government and they don't really know that. He's kind of playing both sides. The government doesn't know what he's really up to, is what you're saying. Right. Mm, intrigue. Stephen Lay. So, on Christmas Eve. Oh, Christmas Eve. Using Sentinels, he captures Marvel Girl, Banshee, and Wolverine in New York. Oh, no. Separating them from the rest of the team. The Sentinels have returned. This is actually Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Oh, look at them. Look at them in their comic. They're at the Christmas party. Yes. Rockefeller Center. Also at this time... The Sentinels also capture Xavier, separating him from Dr. Peter Corbeau, the NPC to end all NPCs. Non-playable character. Yes. Why is he the NPC to end all NPCs? Just because he's hyper, like, Beast has a lot of degrees, Dr. Corbeau has more. Beast's degrees aren't real. Dr. Corbeau's are. Okay. They attack them on the boat while he's just trying to... Xavier's just trying to relax. He's just trying to chill. He's just trying to hang out on the boat. Oh, no. Not today, Xavier. Charles, Xavier, I have come for you. I'm a sentinel. Beep, bop, boop, bop, beep. And as he's being attacked, he's overcome with the images from his mind. No, not and my face. space nightmare. Mayday, mayday, any Stratton. Wait, Charles, Lord, that scream, the poor sod's gone totally round the bend. No, what has happened? The Sentinel escapes with you Charles Xavier. Escape us, mutant. The X Men are unable to find the missing team members and Xavier using Cerebro. They're nowhere on Earth, assumed dead. Uh oh. But they've actually been taken to a satellite. In space. In space. Oh no! Whoa. Issue ninety nine. X Men. Death Star. Death Star? Death Star Rising. Death Star. Uh-huh. It's interesting because this isn't the only time the Death Star comes up in this series. I'm sorry, where are we? What's happening? It's Darth Vader the whole time. So. <laughs> Sly sidestep from what you're saying, Alicia. The X-Men board a space shuttle with Dr. Corbeau and go to save their missing team members. Shout out to that guy and his mustache. Who is that? Just a news reporter or something? Yep. Just reporting. What's happening? Mutants. He's looking fly. This is actually part of, you know, I'm, I'm talking, we're now talking three issues. Haven't talked about the Phoenix at all. Just no, but they're going in space. Going into space. We're getting them there. We've got the seed of Xavier having space visions. Mm-hmm. And here, especially on this news panel page, Claremont is seeding the world with this anti-mutant sentiment. Ooh. See this this crowd erupting in anger against mutants as a mutants. cause? So here we have some accuracy to the Dark Phoenix movie. There's oh. a, a large solar flare coming towards the satellite that's putting a time limit on their actions. Oh. The X-Men going to space to save their comrades. Oh. They have to rescue their friends and get back before the flare hits or they'll die. <gasps> No. Here they are on the space shuttle. And this is just an interesting moment as Colossus references his brother. I sit here inside a rocket and all I can think of is my brother Mikhail, <gasps> a test pilot, one of Russia's first cosmonauts. It's the Hellfire Italian. No. No? What is that from? That was from X-Force. Oh, that's just all my reading meshing in my head. My apologies. Mikhail dying. My friend burning to death. On a Bancor launch pad while his rocket exploded, which is, you know, I've mentioned before, when Claremont started, all these brand new characters, these adult characters, had no backstories established. So he mm. could just do whatever he wanted with them. And as he is doing. They blast off they, into space. What is this? Are they sleep? Are those their seats? Are they sleeping in space? No, they're in. Have you ever, you've seen space movies. Like you get into a space shuttle, they are perpendicular to. They just have very detailed pillows up behind their head. Shout out to Dave Cockrum, who I haven't mentioned any kind of creative team, but obviously Chris Claremont is the writer. Dave Cockrum, who is the artist on Giant Size X-Men, 
who helped co-create a lot of these characters, he is the penciler for most of these beginning issues, except for the last one. Oh, five, four, three, two, one. Ignition. Lift off. Whoa. Now they get to space, but they're confronted by what seems to be the original five X-Men. No, and, and Xavier says, kill them all. Oh, no. The spectacular 100th issue. So now, like, you're talking about knowing issue numbers. This just helped because it, it places it in time. Mm-hmm. 100, any kind of 100 or 200, or that's a big milestone. You got to do something big. Got to do something big. And starting early in his tenure, Claremont is weaving in some of the classic threats known to the x-men like the sentinels that's a big thing Mm -hmm. the only time they don't come back until days of future past and then he kind of does a brand new thing with them oh x-men versus x-men in a battle to the death the new team trade by battles the classic x-men or at least what looks like them Oh, sneaky, sneaky, what looks like them. Wolverine notices, this doesn't smell like a woman. (laughs) You ain't Jean Grey, as he tears into who we all thought was Jean, but is revealed to to be psychic attack. Oh, psychic attack. But is revealed to be now a robot. A robot? This is Stephen Lang. Oh, my God. Goodness. Why has he got his own little superhero outfit on? I mean, he's a, he's in space. He's That's probably his that's astronaut suit. That's a space suit. suit. Yep. A's for astronaut. JK, JK. Okay. Or Armageddon. Oh, okay. It's a robot gene. So this is Stephen Lang. This is the connection to the Hellfire Gala issue. This is the guy that they... The connection to the, the back issue. Right. That's the only got connection it. we're getting is got to it, the got back it, got issue. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. He and Project Armageddon are the things that the leader of the Hellfire Club at the time is funding and trying to move forward. Ah, it's all making sense. So they're revealed to actually be ex-Sentinels, robot copies of the original team and their powers. Oh, no. Throughout all this time, we've seen Xavier continue to get these mental images, these nightmares of space war and strange alien forms coming to him. They defeat them, but there's a problem. Oh no. Crash. Their ship is damaged, and the flare is coming towards them. Oh no. You guys, you don't have a lot of time. No one can both pilot the spaceship to the ground and survive the heat of the flare, except for Jean. Except for Jean. She elects to do it. Look at her face. She's so like, I have to do this and I don't want to, but I have to do it. Wrong, Dr. Corbeau. I can do both. Are you crazy, Jean? Since when are you a qualified astronaut? Since now. It's a very interesting way of depicting mind powers. Yeah. She copies Corbeau's piloting abilities and dismisses all objections from the others. Whoa, she can just copy things from people's brains? Yeah. And she admits, you know, I might not be as good of a pilot as Corbeau, but I'm the only one that can get us to the ground. Oof. Using her telekinesis to hold the ship together in the solar flare and to keep some protection as the rest of the X-Men go into a protective cell. Oh my goodness gracious, Gene, no. So this is actually very similar to the Dark Phoenix. Yes. Less so on the story that Xavier's a big old jerk. And more just the the solar flare. The, the solar flare. Thing in space. She's, she's going to be the one to... The heroism of Jean Grey. And this really kind of puts it, her in a good light. Mm-hmm. Uh, less so Xavier in a bad light. Wah, wah. He's uh, on the ship. He's incapacitated right now. Sorry, Xavier. Everyone's objecting. They don't want her to go. Well, they don't want to lose their friend. There's got to be another way. Storm's crying. Storm's crying. A last favor, my friend. Would you tell Scott? Tell him I loved him. Oh, no. Tell him yourself, Jean. Okay, lady, it's time to do your stuff. Namely, sealing the hull telekinetically with this piece of wreckage. But as she's doing it, things become very overwhelming. Oh, no. She starts to break, holding back the flare. The flare, the radiation, it's starting to get through. Oh, no. Scott! Look at Nightcrawler's holding Scott back. You can't help her. Let me go, blast you! It's cool that 
this like psychedelic artwork. Oh, I love the yeah the solar flare. Yeah. So issue one hundred ends. Okay. And issue one hundred one begins as the official start of the Phoenix Saga. The official start. But I felt like I, I couldn't just you know be like yeah they're in space. No, that was a good. Solid foreground into, yes. and plus it had visual aids. It wasn't just me talking at you for a little while. I love a visual aid. I'd really consider it part of the, that preamble. You know, that really was kind of part of the beginning. And some of the stuff in this run of issues is really not part of the Phoenix Saga. You know, oh, interesting. It, it is later revealed to have some connection, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But we'll go issue by issue over these next couple, mm-hmm. skipping parts that don't make much relevance. But the big things to remember is that Eric the Red wants to kill Xavier, and we don't know why. Okay. Xavier has been having terrible nightmares about intergalactic space war. Mm-hmm. And Gene was just caught in a space flare. Got it. Issue 101, the cover. Oh, yes. Enter the Phoenix. Look at new costume, big hair. We have our oh, space yes. shuttle and solar flare. Oh, that's so cool. Picking up immediately from where we left off. Immediately. As she's trying to save her friends. There's a crash landing. Oh my goodness. Into the airport, bouncing off the ground and landing into Jamaica Bay. Oh God. Well, look at that. Look at that space shuttle. Just bouncy, bounce, bounce. Extra <laughs> bouncy. <laughs> for, <laughs> for your protection. Oh no. They're drowning in the water. Where's Jean? Don't know, man. Don't know. And then from underneath the water, Cyclops, all of you, look. Whoa. Hear me, X-Men. No longer am I the woman you knew. I am fire. And life incarnate, now and forever, I am Phoenix! Dang, Gene. Brand new costume, all sorts of power, but it's too much. Oh, no. <gasps> My mind burning so many memories, sensations, pain what? inside. That That's upsetting. What? It's like goes from this really wonderful, strong image, turn the page, classic damsel in distress, hand over forehead, held, head tilted back. Oh, no, it, it's too much for me to handle. Honestly, I, I would agree with you. I think later on in context, you can view this as a play on that idea that she was always considered a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Here she's now shown this awesome power, but she doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. She passes out. Let's get out of here because we've totally destroyed the airport and we're all wearing funny superhero costumes. They're going to know it was us. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of pages that I ended up skipping. Uh, Wolverine gets flowers and goes back and forth because, you know, they're starting to build some love. Like, and do I want to give them to her? I'm not sure. As he enters into the room, he throws the flowers into the trash because everybody else is there. <laughs> he doesn't want to be seen. Poor guy. This really plays into the character traumas of people on the pages. Wolverine and his flowers, Xavier's powers having been stopped and being overwhelmed by this dream. He even mentions love for Jean as as he loved Moira, which, yeah. Wait a minute. He, oh, she young. Yeah. uh, This isn't the first time Xavier has expressed affection for Jean. Well, add it to the list of things that make me upset about Xavier. And Cyclops is brooding. He's he's upset because of the potential loss of the love of his life. No. But it's okay. She's saved. She's going to be all right, the doctor says. Oh, thank goodness. Which Scott's- doctor? What do you mean? I don't know. So they brought Jean back. Oh, yeah. So when they left the airport, they went to a hospital. Gotcha. <laughs> I was like... We're, we're not going page by page because we have like 10 issues, so... Yeah, get it. I got it. I got it. She's going to be okay. She's going to be okay, and Xavier's like, I'm sorry, the pressures of the last weeks are beginning to tell on me, which is part of the reason why I'm sending you five X-Men on an enforced vacation. Stick it in your ear, bub, because now none of us are going anywhere until Jeannie's better. Come on, Xavier. What do you think? These people are just going to be like, oh, yeah, well, Jean's, you know, she's a phoenix now. She's been through a lot, but let's just go to the beach. Xavier can't take care of Jean and the X-Men at the same time. I can't look after Jean and run the X-Men at the same time. Therefore, a brief and well-earned holiday is in order. So rather than say, you know what? Someone else could run the X-Men for a little while. Yep. He's like, nah, y'all got to go. We got to take a pause. Well, Scott's not going either. So the five of them are going, you know, like, go on this vacation. Sean is like, you know, if you're undecided about where to send us, I think I can fit that bill. Seems so my lawyer, Mr. Flaherty, writes, 
I've inherited the Cassidy ancestral home. Oh, perfect timing. Perfect timing as we're on planes, trains, and automobiles Oh, to Cassidy Keep. Literally. Now, this is some of the first times that we're getting some inner character relationship development. Mm. Them just being themselves and seeing how they fit together as a team. They're just people. I like that, you know, like everyone's just chilling in their people clothes, but Storm still got her crown on. Oh, of course. You know, that, a that queen keeps, always wears her crown. Keeps her hair in order. <laughs> Cassidy Whoa. Keep. Look at that. Yes. That's a castle. Now, the rest of the issue continues as they go into the keep and they discover that Banshee's cousin, Black Tom, and his accomplice, Juggernaut, are there. Oh, I know who Black Tom is. You do. With threats to kill them. As oh, Storm no. freaks out about her claustrophobia oh, and being entombed. I still don't know why. What if I told you you'll find out in the next issue? Oh, snap! Pow, pow, pow! Now, again, most of the actual Phoenix Saga is a lot of other stories with small checks back. Claremont is gradually setting up the pieces that will eventually be this big end of the event that doesn't even really end because it mm-hmm. continues as the Phoenix is the Phoenix, and then you know what happens after that is the Dark Phoenix Saga. It's, it's really a testament to this long game storytelling and seeding... Not only the plot threads, but also the interest in the books. You know, to bring back the Juggernaut is a classic X Men villain from the beginnings. We know that he is Xavier's stepbrother. Mm-hmm. Black Tom was only recently introduced in the shadows of a previous issue. Oh, in the shadows. But I'm also going to include a few pages and panels that build to the bigger story and add a little here and there to our characters. Okay. Issue 102. Issue 102. This was actually on the box of the Juggernaut Colossus 2-pack of Marvel Legends. Look at them. They're fighting. Yeah. And look at Storm. Storm is like, no. Now, again, most of this issue is about X-Men's adventure These against these two, a big old fight, a fracas, if you will, just what they refer to it as in the comics often. Fracas. But two points from it that are very interesting to call out. Storm is debilitated by her fear of being enclosed, and we get some backstory as she flashes to Harlem in the summer of 1951. Oh. Her and her parents. Oh. Look at little baby Storm, but she looks like an adult in her face still. (laughs) (laughs) Just smooshed, just smaller. Smooshed smooshed baby face, but But still still, with those. Still those mature eyes. I sometimes wonder where David Monroe, aspiring photojournalist, got the nerve to ask an African princess to marry him. We get a little backstory on her parents. Mm. Time cut five years later up the line to Cairo in that faithful year of 1956, the year of the Suez War. The French are bombing the main highway and our house is is too close to their target for comfort. We've got to get out of here and fast. No. What's going to happen? The house is going to collapse on them. They're going to be trapped. Yes. That bottom row of panels, darkness and pain eventually of the body and soul. Pain that would not be ignored. Oh, no. And it forced you awake. Mother. Mother. Now again, Storm, brand new character, right? Nothing had been established. So all of this is just intended to let us know who she is. It's entirely an internal flashback as she's freaking out in Cassidy Keep. Mm-hmm. There was darkness wow. again. Blessed nothingness. But... When you awakened, your mother's body was gone, and you were alone with rock and rubble jammed in close around you, sealing you in. Oh, no. Look at her. Is that Storm? That's Storm. Look at her. She's amazing. She learned the ways of pickpocketing on the streets of Cairo. The old man took you in, taught you how to survive. Within a year, you were the finest beggar, sneak thief in all of Cairo. When did she get her powers? But then in your twelfth year, something, some inner need began pulling you south, away from Egypt and the Sahara. You walked for a year, 2,000 miles from Cairo to the Serengeti Plain. And though you'd never seen, you knew you had come home. Oof. There you remained, the girl growing into a woman, all memories of your past life fading, with the passage of years content in your solitude, until Charles Xavier had come to lead the goddess from her nest. Oof. All of that was just, that was for you. 
That was for me. That wasn't necessarily about the Dark Phoenix saga. That wasn't really. But you knew I wanted I, to know. I knew you want. So now you know why she has claustrophobia. She was trapped in the rubble of the bombing attack that killed her parents. It's horrible. It's very tragic. It's very tragic. So storm, storm stress signals Xavier's telepathic rapport. Oh gosh, he's very upset. It's Storm. Giving details of their trouble. He voices his concern over Storm and then meets Misty Knight, Jean's new roommate. Oh, her roommate? Oh yes, she moved in with Misty Knight after leaving the Xavier Institute after Giant Size X-Men. Oh, so she was like, peace out, I'm not living here anymore. Yeah, and actually, interestingly, Claremont was writing Iron Fist. Oh. Before it got canceled. I don't remember exactly when it gets canceled or gets rolled into Power Man and Iron Fist, but... That's that, cool. That was this whole thing. You know, we talked about Mystique rolling in from... Oh, yeah, because she didn't come from X-Men first. She came from Miss Marvel, and then when that was canceled, rolled into Days of Future Past. That's cool. So you're like, hey, friend from another comic is here, but now I'm going to my own comic. It's like they go to work. They go to their own comic. Yeah. and See you when you get home, Rui. And it's exactly like Claremont's building his own universe so he has these players that he is able to and he didn't create misty knight misty knight was previously created as a character but he's able to kind of populate this world with all these other people that can then be brought into a book because who else is using these characters it's him he's the one doing that book that's cool and so he xavier tries to pull scott out to explain what's going on and this panel right here so tell me misty knight how would you feel if you died then brought yourself back to life. Oh, gosh, Jean. Those she's eyes. just like, look, I'm Jean. I'm in the hospital. And then we're alone. And she's like, let me become a demon, kind of. Phoenix. Xavier tells Scott he has to go and save the X-Men. He's like, nah, bruh. No. How dare you? I'm not leaving, Jean. No, Professor, not this time. I'm staying here at the hospital until Jean is out of danger. You're what? You're putting the life of one woman ahead of those of your fellow X-Men? I am. Because that woman is the most important thing in my life. Come on, Xavier. You never loved anybody? Xavier nah, flips out on him. You didn't love nobody. But as he's flipping out on him, in that last panel, he's distracted by a face in the mirror oh. of the one from his dreams. Oh, no. Back in Cassidy Keep, the X-Men against the Juggernaut in Black Tom, I just included this because it's the first appearance of Nightcrawler's ability to disappear entirely in deep shadow. Oh. Which actually came up in a conversation on Twitter today, which is interesting. The timing of it all. And it seems as though the X-Men are defeated. It seems as though. Uh, this issue is entirely wrapping up our Juggernaut and Black Tom story. That so seems. we're not really going to go through it. Okay. But the last page, Tom is thrown over the edge by Banshee. Juggernaut is emotionally distraught because, look out, he's He's the only friend I ever had, oh, X-Men, sorry. and so help me, if you've killed him, I'll make you pay. Watching. It's it's Red Eric, Eric the Red. <laughs> and we get details. I will brook no more failures, is that understood? Princess Naramani is due to reach Earth in a matter of weeks. Whatever happens after, she must not contact the X-Men. Uh-oh, who's he talking to? This man on the screen. We don't get a name of him. But in these panels, we see the X-Men at Cassidy Keep. We see this emperor. And then we see Magneto. The gentleman's name is Magneto. The gentleman. Because in issue number 104, it had to happen. (gasps) The new X-Men against Magneto, Earth's most powerful supervillain. No. Do you recognize this cover? No. (laughs) No. Maybe not this exactly, but this is a homage to X-Men number one. All right. The way that the X-Men are assembled, fighting the where Magneto is. So this is kind of like they w- this would have been Angel. Oh, all right. I kind of see it. This would have been Iceman. I have vague memories of those covers. I can pull it up if you want, but I don't No, think no, it. that's okay. I believe you. So there's some things that we're going to skip. Because, again, this is a battle with Magneto, but there's only seeds that are relevant to our story. Okay. They're trying to travel to Moira's research facility. And as they are, the X-Men are ambushed by Magneto. Oh, Magneto. Hey, that's the guy who's serving all the drinks all the time. Yep. 
Cyclops and Moira arrive and Scott's pissed that he never knew about this facility. But just you wait. There's so much more that you don't know. Oh, Scotty. Scotty doesn't know that Xavier and Moira are doing lots of stuff behind his back. That's right. I did an improv song. There you go. And we do meet Jamie Madrox, the multiple man. Multiple man. Who was the lab assistant of Moira. (gasps) And we get some understanding as to how these are all connected. Backstory on how Magneto was freed by Eric the Red. What? Who was working with a brainwashed Havoc in Polaris to serve Emperor Daken. <gasps> and here you go, if you ever wanted to see it. Oh, he's getting de-aged to a baby. That's no, he's that... getting re-aged to a man. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Re-aged to a man. So he was a baby when Eric the Red found him. He was a baby. And he was like, I'm Eric the Red. You're Eric the Magneto. Let me <laughs> let me make With you back. our Eric's combined. We can make you a man again. And so it happened back in Defender 16. And as he was a baby, he's been at Moira's research facility. That actually comes up in X-Men number one from 1991, where, or I, well, technically it comes in through that story, but I gave you a little bit of hint because you were unsettled by that cliffhanger yes. as to Moira's involvement into what might have happened. I'm always unsettled by a cliffhanger. So... He is aged Magneto back to peak physical form and proposes an alliance to defeat the X-Men. Not just a man, but peak physical form. And what follows is a pretty great battle between the new X-Men team and Magneto, but Magneto wrecks the X-Men. Sorry, y'all. He's in peak physical form. And as this is happening, Cyclops realizes the bigger plan in motion. Eric the Red is only trying to distract the X-Men so that he can take down Xavier. (gasps) It was a distraction all along. Cyclops is saying, we have to pull back. We have to go. And Wolverine is not having it. Classic fight. That's a great panel. Yeah, the two Just of them. Just the red and like the the energy of their anger. Yeah. Says who? Now, this is just a note about even longer games still. Mutant X here at the bottom. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see anything followed up on that for another 20 or so issues. That's crazy. With the first appearance in 125. So this is 104. Mutant X. Now, our last page, we meet Christopher and Chode. Oh, wait a minute. For the first time. Wait a minute. Talking about the Emperor's plans. Yes, yes. We also, so each of these. That person in in the suit. That's a Shi'ar person. That is a Shi'ar person. by their little swirly eye decorations. Our space vision reaches close to Earth. But an Imperial cruiser is right behind. Mm. And at the bottom, a family reunion with a healthy Jean Grey as Eric the Red watches on from oh, a distance. No. Oh, no. Next issue, Phoenix Unleashed. Oh, snap. So this issue has a slight heat up on our long game plots before one last pause. <laughs> all right. The pacing is all over the place in these. You got to tell a lot of stories. Yeah, well, I mean, it also... It's like reminding me of season two of the animated series. Yeah. Where like the Phoenix saga is Is the the, little like... The Savage Land. Yeah, the little Charles and Magneto and the Savage Land and other stuff is happening and you're getting those little boop, boop, boops and then it eventually gets to everybody in the Savage Land. And I don't know what the strategy behind that was. Maybe Claremont just had the ideas brewing and he hadn't fully, you know, developed it or... I think it definitely had something to do with bringing these classic villains back to garner interest as Mm -hmm. he started to build this larger story in the background. No, it's cool. Yeah, I like it. Oh, all new, all different X-Men. Phoenix alone against the most fearsome foe of all, (gasps) the Flame, the Frenzy, and Fire Lord. Oh, oh, Fire Lord. So Fire Lord is a former herald of Galactus. Oh, Galactus the planet eater. Yes. I remember now. He doesn't just take over planets. He eats them. He tries. And he's been manipulated into thinking that the X-Men are villains, that they are out to get Eric the Red. Oh, no. Well, kind of they are. Just Eric the Red is not the good guy in this situation. Technically, Eric the Red's out to get them. (laughs) Yes. I am Fire Lord. And we get our first real full page of Shi'ar. Space Adventures. Ooh, for, okay. Not in other comics have I felt this way, but right now the Shi'ar are giving me Star Trek vibes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. With their like black turtleneck costumes with their different colored things and their little emblems on their chest. Yeah, red shirts. Red shirt, blue shirt, green shirt. The red shirts always die. I don't know anything about Star Trek. (laughs) So we find the Imperial Scout ship has caught up to the Lalandra. But as they're reviewing what information they're able to find, they're scared off by Earth's track record against Galactus. Captain, this planet has faced Galactus four times in its immediate planetary history and beaten him back. What? How? What? It's just, it just speaks to the fact that like everybody knows Galactus, and you're going to tell me that they... Have beaten him not once, not twice, not, not thrice. three times, not thrice. Catorce. But thrice. fourteen. <laughs> <Thrice>. But <laughs> And in her spaceship, Alandra activates a teleporter. Oh. Back in Jean Grey's apartment. Oh. As she, Misty Knight, her parents, and Xavier are enjoying some... Tea. Some tea. But in the middle of the room. Lalandra appears. No. Xavier's upset. Yeah, revealing. It's from his dream. Yeah. And he knows her name immediately. They have a psychic connection. (gasps) Because she's been talking to him in his dreams. Ah. Oh, man. This has triggered the phoenix. Just as they begin to talk. Fire Lord attacks. Oh, He's no. here for Lalandra and Xavier. Ah! We finally get Phoenix in action against Fire Lord. Oh, gosh. Who even remarks that only Thor has had such power on this Earth. And Thor's not even from Earth. <laughs> I'm the Phoenix. This in-world reference, this is technically Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum. <laughs> anyway, Dave, he hits the ground with this incredible sound effect. Foom! Smash! Uh, Dave, are you listening? Chris, do us all a favor. Shut up and run. Oh, no. And now Eric, identified identified now as Shakari, has come for Lalandra. (gasps) Lalandra, look out. And we find that he has been exiled to Earth by Lalandra. Oh. But he captures her. (gasps) Not today. Phoenix's power is surging beyond anything before, and she's being driven by it. She mentions wanting to kill Fire Lord. The power like a drug. My power, it's hitting me. I've never felt such ecstasy. God in heaven, what have I become? Oh dear. This is really the first time we're seeing the phoenix be... Be the phoenix. Except for when she popped out of the water for a hot second and then she was like, Oh no. No. I can't go on. Eric the Red, Devin Shikari, takes Lalandra through a stargate. Oh no. And disappears. A stargate. Before the X-Men Xavier can shakes his fist at the sky. He's flipping out again, and Phoenix tells him, chill out. But also, her parents are flipping out. Xavier, who are all these costume people? What's the meaning? Jean, dear, mom, dad, later, there's no time to explain. We can't talk about this right now. Are you blind, Jean? You've got plenty of time now because Eric's taken Lalandra and shut off the Stargate behind him. But don't worry, I supposedly know that I can power a Stargate. I'm the Phoenix. I am the Phoenix. How many times do I have to tell you? Now we get a little bit more context from the Phoenix. You told me telepathically that Lalandra led a revolt to stop her brother from doing something that she thinks will destroy the entire universe. She lost that revolt and came here seeking our aid. Eric the Red is some kind of secret agent assigned to prevent all of that by killing us and capturing her. Oh my. Phoenix powers up the Stargate and the X-Men dive through after Shikari. <gasps> Eric the Red. Oh no, what's gonna happen? Now we get entirely a filler issue. It's all filler, baby. Issue 106, it's even in, in the back issue, in the editor's notes, Claremont is like, yeah, we uh, we got overwhelmed. And this we is- We needed uh, a second. It's what's referred to as an inventory story plotted by Bill Montlow and drawn by Bob Brown. That's- Kind of tied into the larger story by it being an overwhelming flashback. So Xavier on the roof flashes back to the time before. And we have this story where what looks like the original X-Men attack the new X-Men. Kind of a retread of issue 100. But this is actually then revealed later on to be a manifestation of Xavier's mind. This is nonsense. This is very much so nonsense. 
Pa pa pa. Nonsensical. Xavier is overwhelmed. Moira had given Charles a sedative after she arrived, which unknowingly released the evil side of his mind. We actually see this in the animated series, this like uh, evil laughing evil version Charles. of him. Yeah. Quite terrifying. But in the last panel, we get some information on a forced rapport that was created as he relives the manifestation of his nightmare. Now. Now. 107. 107. A whole new host of characters. We only got two issues left. So this is the actual. This is the actual Phoenix event. Oh. So all of that was kind of like piecemeal build up. It's coming. It's coming. These next two issues are full on Phoenix. Phoenix. Full on Phoenix. On the other side of the Stargate, our heroes are transported to an unknown world. <gasps> right here. This is. I just want to take a second and recognize the full power and brilliance of Dave Cockrum on display here. All of these are original characters, all designed. Wow. by him all of these costumes these characters and i've seen these again like I, these are these then Shi'ar become people yeah, that the she are imperial guard wow where no x-man has gone before after cyclops announces that they're there for lalandra a full-on battle breaks out between the x-men and imperial guard another side moment as nightcrawler tries to save lalandra from a soul drinker <gasps> a soul drinker who's about to kill her and for the first time ever he teleports with a second person, <gasps> almost, almost killing him. Moving up in the world, but careful, Nightcrawler, because it's getting dangerous. Can't even stand. Oh, no. If she had been any larger, then Princess, I think, would have killed us both. Oof. Here we get the full context of what's going on between Lalandra and Deken. As she tells Cyclops of what happened when Deken came to power, how she contacted Xavier... And how Eric the Red came into play. So I was like, are you going to tell me? Yeah, yeah hold on. <laughs> so he, Deken, is trying to find and get this ultimate power. Mm-hmm. Lalandra knows this. And she tries to stop him. And he makes up this story that she actually tried to kill him and <gasps> usurp his power. Oh, he's one of those Shaw type butt faces. Deken wanted the last sight I see to be his triumph. Instead, I escaped I stole a scout bug and sabotaged the flagship. Too late to do any good. My ships were beaten. My cause lost. Oh, no. She had connected with Xavier when, in a very throwback story, X-Men 65, he had used the collective will of humankind to fight off the minor freebooting race, the Xanox. Oh. We've known of Earth for many years, my friends. We had observers there ever since it became a crossroads planet for half the starfaring races in the Milky Way. Ken contacted our agent on Earth, Davin Shakari, the man you know as Eric the Red. Eric the Red. His- so that's who Eric the Red was talking to on his little computer screen? Ken. His orders were simple. Kill Xavier or failing that, prevent me from contacting him, whatever the cost. Oof. Which meant, first of all, the X-Men had to be eliminated. Shikari told me he learned of you from Lorna Dane Polaris, though he refused to say how he learned of her. Ooh. He tried time and again to destroy you, using Polaris and Havoc, and then your oldest, deadliest foes, yet each time he failed. So all of that had been orchestrated by Eric the Red. All of the, the Juggernaut, all the things. Juggernaut, Black, Black Tom, Tom, Magneto, Fire Lord. Oh, Eric the Red, you little sneak. It's now all revealed as a plot. Now, Deken's intentions are to obtain power. The great Emkron crystal is a gateway to the power my brother seeks. A gateway that opens once every million years. Oh, dear. When those nine death stars enter a certain alignment, and within the crystal, so the legend says, can be found power absolute. Uh-oh. There's actually a quote. Well, what can you call nine stars that could bring about death to the universe? There's a limited number of names. That's from Claremont when asked about why Death Stars. Yeah. Death Stars. Chaos Stars. Fatal Stars. Stars of Fatality. Ooh, the Stars of Fatality. I like that. Ooh! When the nine stars of fatality I'm here if you need me. (laughs) I'll brainstorm with you any day, man. (laughs) But we get a fight. A fight. Gladiator tries to take them down. Lalandra, once more, trying to convince him that if Deken has the power of the Emkron crystal, he will destroy the Empire. But before she can explain 
Oh, no. Enter the Starjammers! hey Epic splash introduction of the full team that was only just teased. And with their aid, they throw off the Imperial Guard and turn the tide of battle. Now, at this point, do we know that... This is their first appearance. Okay, so we don't know that he's Cyclops' dad yet. We learn that in a, in a page. Uh, in well, no, technically we learn something. Something. But the, this is where it would help if I knew numbers. So this comes before Deadly Genesis? Yeah, Deadly Genesis was in 2005. Okay, my bad. Like that, that was our first retcon Wrangler. That was like way later. Okay, got this it. Is all Claremont stuff happens way before, before that. that. Okay, obviously, like Claremont era. I just was more so thinking about... You're talking about Deadly Genesis, like the retcon of the second team that yeah, goes yeah. before? Yeah. And then Vulcan. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the Star Jammers are here. And in this moment, recognizing their accents and American slang, Gene mind scans Corsair. Oh. No, it can't be. But, okay, Scott, no, it is him. <gasps> but that's all we get. That's what happens in the animated series too, isn't it? Basically, yeah. And and I'm over here like, tell him it's his father. But She's it's too gonna... late. The Death Stars are aligned. In another moment, the gateway will open and power absolute will be mine. Oh no. Slowly, the ancient gem begins to pulse. No, the power it. within building geometrically. The crystal glowing ever brighter until it seems almost like a star itself. And then... The gem can take no more. The newborn star explodes. <gasps> in that instance, all existence goes blink. Blink. And in the last panels, we get reaction from Peter Corbeau and the Fantastic Four about how for a fraction of a second, we ceased to exist. If this continues to happen or gets worse, the fabric of time and space will tear itself apart. The universe as we know it will die. Oh, no. Dun dun dun! That's the end of the. That's the end of the issue. That's the end of the issue. So there's another one. This is the last issue for regular penciler Dave Cockrum, at least for a couple of years until he comes back later on. Oh. In the last issue of the Phoenix Saga, John Byrne takes over. John Byrne, who was able to keep up a ridiculous pace and had been a frequent collaborator with Claremont on other titles that he was writing. Okay, get it, John Byrne. Ooh. Armageddon now. Issue 108. The nine Death Stars have aligned and struck the great Emkron crystal. The stars of fatality. Causing a disturbance across all reality. Oh no. The humans of Earth are not believing what Peter Corbeau is telling them. As he continues to say, if it happens again, we could very well be witnessing the end of our universe as we know and live in it. Oh gosh. Now... From around the crystal, we see these protectors of it. Hee <laughs> they're like little trolls. Joff. And that's exactly what Wolverine says. <laughs> You're going to stomp us, Pipsqueak? Wolverine, be careful. We don't know what we're up against. Pow. As he flies in that last panel across entirely out of orbit. The guy, the little, the little troll just knocks Wolverine right out. Yes. Don't mess with me, Wolverine. I may be small, but I am mighty. And this is the second protector of the crystal, trying to keep them away from it. But Deken is thrown into the power. <gasps> no. And all around it are transported inside the Emkron crystal. Save us, Jean. They're struck by the power of the crystal and transported into their individual hells. Oh, gosh. Fighting off their worst fears. No. For the Emperor, it's facing the Soul Drinker, his pet demonic executioner, knowing that this time it's come for him. That's what you get, dude. In this last one, for Corsair, it's a memory. Two men facing each other over the body of a murdered woman. No. Kate. Oh my God, Kate. Corsair's wife. And Cyclops' mother. Yeah. We don't know that yet. But well, yes. We know. We know that they know that we know, but they don't know. But we don't know. Makes no sense, Alicia. Scott is losing control of his powers. Oh no, Scott. Inside the crystal. And he strikes a sphere inside as the crystal is starting to shatter. Oh gosh. Phoenix senses a connection to the sphere inside and enters it as the Phoenix itself. Oh snap. She discovers that if it were to break, everything will be destroyed. The Whoa. entire universe. Nope. This is not good. But Phoenix doesn't have enough power. Her strength is waning. 
Her energy is being absorbed. Use a crystal. What? <laughs> Use the crystal. She's in the, there. So they're in the crystal and they're trying to protect the integrity of it as it's breaking. Oh, I see. But she can't like tap into the power of the crystal. No. Well, I mean, not currently. No. Not currently. Okay. Aurora reaches out, offering to be a physical anchor in the world, risking her life, but it's not enough. They call on Corsair, and he refuses, but Phoenix calls to him, Major Summers, please. There's no time. Major Summers. Take my hand. Look at his facial reaction. He's like, what did you call me? How you know my name? What did you call me? It's starting to work. Enough energy has been summoned to hold the sphere intact. Jean re-enters, telling Corsair to look after Cyclops. He's the man I love, but he's also your firstborn son. Oh, snap. Jean's just laying it all out there. It begins. She returns to the heart of the sphere and changes. Woman to bird form. Flesh to living energy. Jean Grey to Phoenix. Power flaring star bright around her in the absolute darkness. Oh, no. Reality twists, collapses, reforms. The strain more than mind or body can bear. And she no longer knows whether bird form or human, whether she's trapped within the sphere or grows so large she dwarfs the entire solar system. Oh, man. As she's about to break, she senses the X-Men giving their power, their strength, to her like Aurora and Corsair had done. And with it, Phoenix is able to complete the cracking lattice with the strength of her friends as they emerge from the Stargate back to Earth. Oof. Wait, so she's still in space and they go back to Earth? No, they all come through. They all come through together. On that last panel. Gotcha. See it. Lalandra appears as well, behind them, before the gate is destroyed. Deken has been driven insane, and she has been exiled for being a traitor to the Shi'ar. Till then, my dearest love, I am exiled here on Earth, and I am yours, she says to Xavier. Oh. Their bond, strengthening into more. Love. And then they're going to have a baby in a test tube. (laughs) Basically. Years later. And that's or it. now. That's it. That's the end of the Phoenix Saga. That's the Phoenix Saga. So then, will we do the Dark Phoenix Saga as well? Maybe. I don't want to tell you that right now, but yes. Okay. Great. What do you think of this? And this is a lot of stuff I did not know. It was a, a lot of issues, right? Yep. What do you think of it as a story? It's interesting. I like the way it pulls in multiple things i like the layers slowly revealed over the course of all the issues and the little we're gonna fight this guy and we're gonna fight this guy and then how it all comes back and it was intentional that is the stuff that i like that's claremont baby it wasn't until really reading this deeply for this mm-hmm. that i i noticed those being as intentional points building to this basically two issue story three mm-hmm. issue if you count the one before the one before these two uh, against Fire Lord, where yeah. Lelandra fully makes contact, where it's really those three issues and a lot of panels otherwise. But then the interconnectedness of all these other villains being pulled in, which I just think is, is a brilliant way to. And then if you extend it even further, like the Sentinel arc yeah. beforehand, it's just like an X-Men's greatest hits album. Yeah, but I think that's what, what makes stories like that so like cool and so satisfying is that you read them like as a first time reader, like as these are coming out and you're reading each of these stories, they're fighting all of these different villains. You're just enjoying the fact that they're fighting all these different villains and you don't really think much of it, right? Yeah, you don't know the bigger story. And then you get this reveal that it was all part of this plan. So then you almost like want to feel like you need to go back and reread it all again so that you can look at it through a different lens. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And this, this is in two ways things that weren't happening previously in in comics, Mm -hmm. right? So this larger, they they started to do it with X-Men before it had gotten canceled, started to do some of that like tapestry work, but it wasn't now until here where it's character driven and it's stretching over the course of, you know, we're talking a bi-monthly book from issue 97 to issue 108. So that's almost two full years of comics. Holy crap. This is slowly. You just did com- all that math in your head. I was still trying to add 97 to 108. How many comics is that? And you already figured out that it was two years. Well, it's, it's 12. It's 12 comics. And it's a comic every other month. So it's six comics a year. So it's 12. So it's two, <laughs> two years. years. 
I got there. Yay, math. Math. You didn't have to get there. I got you there. Yep. Now, do you see how hard the Phoenix as a story is to adapt because of how large it is? Yes, and I also see how frustrating it is to have everything be a, like it's a Phoenix movie and you don't get any of this. You just get that. Like in the movies, basically, you get that Jean gets this power from space. And then she's evil. And then it makes her evil. And then she's immediately evil and everybody's crazy scared. Like, honestly, I was like, oh, and then she, like, as we were going through this, I was like, oh, and then Jean's going to die trying to save them all. But that's not what happens. That's what happens in the Dark Phoenix. Right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But yeah, so the, 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 there's a full story that's just the Phoenix Saga, which I feel like, so if if I were to adapt this, oh, you got to do it, and it's definitely not in the first trilogy of movies. No. You got to do the Phoenix Saga. You have to connect it to Shi'ar space. You have to connect it to the intergalactic world of Marvel. Guardians of the Galaxy, you're, mm-hmm. almost, you're already there. I mean, you have opportunity to do things. Are you guys listening at Marvel? You listening? Oh, no, they're doing their own thing. No, 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 no. Shh. Are you guys listening? Someone be listening. So you liked it? Yeah. What did you think of? Was it was it satisfying to get Storm's yes. little backstory Thank you insert? For that. Thank you for that. I did that for you. I appreciate that. I was happy to have that little tidbit of information. And I included and some, some tidbits of Nightcrawler from myself because... Yeah, well, that's cool, too, that, like, it's just, it always, you know, you talk, you've talked about it a lot. And it's just nice to be able to see examples of how how much Claremont developed the backstories and enhanced the characters that already existed, right? Like Nightcrawler existed, but he's adding these layers to his powers. So now he can disappear in the darkness and he can teleport more than just himself, but he's got to build himself up to that, like doing it the first time. And so that's another thing. So the fact that he has a weakness, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times before this, even in Marvel, but also in DC, like superheroes, you don't have weaknesses. You don't have like human struggles, but the fact that there's limits to their powers, that they're still learning how to control what they're trying to do. That's that's relatable. That's a deeper story of that character. Yeah, I'm into it. I think also in that frame, I didn't call it out, but in one of the issues, we find out that the claws are inside Wolverine's body. Ah, nice. And it was initially intended when he was designed that they were a part of his costume. Yes, but now they are part of his body. And it's, I think, I think Nightcrawler's like, you never told us. Like, I, why would I? None your business. None your business. I'm Wolverine. Bob. Are you excited about? What's to come? Yeah. So this is is this is issue one oh eight. The Dark Phoenix saga doesn't start for another twenty issues. Oh my Lanta. So in the next twenty issues, like Jean just has the power of the Phoenix? Yes. That's dope. And there are ways that she is becoming agitated with her limits and with the way that people are, are treating her. When does she become white Phoenix? Years later. Okay, that's after. Yes. I don't think I have any other questions. This was a very thorough explanation. Actually, yeah, I do have one question. You told me I was going to get something physical to look at. I just felt like it was going to be too much flipping through pages. Yeah. But in this omnibus is the entire run of issues that we just talked about. Oh. So the Uncanny X-Men volume number one Marvel omnibus that recently was reprinted. I even have little tabbies. I honestly like this. You know, I love looking at the actual books, but for something like this where we're jumping around and having it, having you pull it up and focus on the panels and us be able to look at the panels, like I still got to react to the panel as I saw it or the pages as I saw them and see the artwork. But like you said, it wasn't a lot of flipping around. And and, and just think, like, how do we do this with 12 issues? You know, yeah. Yeah, the Phoenix Saga itself is really only nine issues as it's considered, but I just feel like you need to start with those se- like. You need to start with the seed of Eric the Red and Havoc and Polaris. Yeah, I feel like, and also even the, the beginning, the space whole story. thing of them going into space, like that's how she actually becomes the Phoenix. Like, if you go into that issue, that's the first issue of her already being in space being and, in and the thing. You're being not attacked getting... by the solar flare. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was great. That was probably my favorite visual. Was yeah, the solar flare art was really and, cool, and her using her powers as the Phoenix, like her. Mm-hmm. Especially in these last few pages like this. Yeah, the bird. The bird. The actual fire bird. bird, yeah. And this, that, this one. that, yeah, where like it's the eyes of the phoenix and uh, yeah. This is John Byrne's first issue on X-Men, which I think is 
It's yeah. a pretty epic issue to be your first issue. And I don't notice a whole lot of difference in the sense that like I'm not thrown off by No, I would say the biggest difference is the facial the faces. The facial expressions. And or like this just the structure of some of the faces. Like Jean's face right there in particular. Right when they're pulled in to the Emcron Crystal. Do you have any questions about the Emcron Crystal? Because that potentially connects to a lot of other stories. I feel like I've heard the Emcron Crystal so many times. Yep. And honestly, if if I'm being completely honest, I can't I can't remember what it is because yeah. every that- time I hear it, I just think about like Metachlorians. <laughs> and I know that's not correct. So I just am like, yeah, it's something she arts the space thing and it's powerful. Yeah. So, and that's why I like going through these in publication order. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we could talk about everything that happens with the Phoenix and the Amcron Crystal afterwards, but that's not how you would have experienced it as a reader. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's important. You know, I do cut in the Retcon Wranglers to give you that context of the broader story, but this being the origin of the Phoenix, I feel like it's good to just keep that. You know, there was after. Phoenix and Dark Phoenix, they did build a backstory for Jean in Bizarre Adventures number 27. Mm. I started to go down a rabbit hole of making like a mini retcon wrangler inside this episode. That would have been dangerous. And I was like, it was. It was in my notes. It distracted me for probably an hour. <laughs> I I just gave it up. I was like, nope, nope don't even nope. try it. This is not for that was in That was in 1981. This is in 1977. We don't need it right now. We don't need it right now. Well, this is good. Thanks for this. Until next time, old friend. Charles! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 